Hey, everyone. It is Wednesday, February 14th. You are listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all of the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. As you could tell, it is just me today. Mosh is wrapping up his trip to Israel. If you have been following along on Instagram, you know he has been doing back-to-back-to-back-to-back interviews. So today I will be handling the podcast alone, and I cannot wait to talk to him about all the interviews he's been doing and everybody that he has been talking with. But back to this podcast, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Americans expected to spend about $25.8 billion on the holiday this year. And that is actually down slightly from last year. And interestingly, after splurging on friends and coworkers last year, Americans are back to focusing on their partners. 35 to 44-year-olds are expected to spend the most, and pets are expected to make out pretty well also. And a reminder to everybody who has a dog, keep the Valentine's Day chocolate away. It can be very dangerous for them. All right, let's get to the news here. Something we haven't said in a while. A winter snowstorm has swept parts of the Northeast. The House impeaches a member of Joe Biden's cabinet. What's next? To the Middle East, where things stand with new negotiations to release hostages in Gaza in exchange for a pause in fighting. On the COVID front, the CDC is planning to drop its five-day COVID isolation guidelines, what they're recommending instead. If you are planning to take an Uber or a Lyft to your Valentine's Day dinner tonight, think again. Drivers are set to strike. To the economy, inflation is not going anywhere. What the data says about the prices we pay for everything from food to housing. And Super Bowl 58 breaking TV records. I have the numbers. And Tiger Woods out with a new lifestyle brand. Plus, I will do my best with On This Day in History. Let's start with some political news from late Thursday. House Republicans narrowly passed a resolution to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his handling of the U.S.-Mexico border crisis. That vote was 214 to 213. Republicans charge him with willfully refusing to enforce border laws and breaching the public trust. It is the first time since 1876 that a sitting cabinet member has received such a censure. However, it's unlikely to go far in the Senate, which has a slim Democratic majority. Three Republican Congress members, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, Tom McClintock of California and Ken Buck of Colorado, They sided with Democrats against the resolution, and they were the same three that voted against the resolution last week and warned that impeaching a cabinet secretary for the way that he did his job could weaken a serious constitutional penalty. They say it could backfire against Republicans and also not really help the serious immigration issue. This time around, though, Congressman Steve Scalise of Louisiana, the House Majority Leader who has been undergoing blood cancer treatment, returned to Washington to ensure that House Speaker Mike Johnson had enough votes. But even though, again, this measure passing the House, Mayorkas is unlikely to be convicted in a trial in the Democratic-controlled Senate. Not only that, some Republican senators have actually been critical of the lower chamber's decision to proceed with articles of impeachment in the first place. By the way, want to mention on the political front as well that the Republican majority in the House just got even slimmer. That special election that we told you about yesterday to fill the seat that has been left vacant by George Santos. Well, Democrat Tom Swazi has won the election. 
All right, Moshe is missing the biggest snowstorm in the New York City area in about two years, although that isn't saying much. New York City and other major northeastern cities were on the receiving end of a strong and fast-moving nor'easter. The snow totals in New York City, just about three and a half inches, enough to end the record drought of 744 consecutive days since two inches or more of snow has hit the city in a single day. Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley, that's northwest of Philadelphia, got about nine inches. That's the most snow they've gotten since 2021. On Long Island, where I live, some areas got about eight inches, others less. Parts of New Jersey got more than a foot. In New Jersey, the governor says there were more than 250 car accidents and about a thousand flights had been canceled in the New York City area and also Boston's Logan Airport. Now to the Middle East, where mediators once again trying to negotiate some type of agreement between Israel and Hamas that would free the remaining hostages in Gaza and stop the fighting for at least six weeks. President Biden sent CIA Director William Burns to join those talks in Egypt, also included the head of Israel's intelligence agency, the Mossad. Plus, there were leaders from Qatar and Egypt. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said the talks were, quote, moving in the right direction. He wouldn't give many details, though. But we have been here before. And so far, Israel and Hamas seem pretty far apart, at least in their public positions. As Kirby said, nothing is done until it is done. He was also asked about whether the U.S. thinks that the Americans who were taken hostage in Gaza are still alive. And he said that they do not have any information to the contrary. As Moshe and I have been reporting, Israel just rescued two hostages from an apartment in Rafah. That is a city in Gaza on the southern border with Egypt. And there is still a lot of concern from the United States, the United Nations, and the international community about a full-scale Israeli advance into Rafah. Egypt is refusing to open its border to Palestinians to give them a safe haven from the fighting. There are about 1.4 million Palestinians crammed into Rafah right now. Many are in tents and without enough food and water. And many of them have already fled from other areas of Gaza. Israel has said it is working on an evacuation plan. Palestinians say that nowhere feels like it's safe. And as far as sending American aid to the region, the Senate passed a $95.3 billion aid bill early Tuesday morning. 22 Republicans voted with nearly all Democrats to pass that package, 70 to 29. So the bill includes about $60 billion in aid for Ukraine in its fight against Russia about $14 billion in security assistance for Israel, $9 billion in humanitarian assistance in Gaza and other areas, and about $5 billion to support regional partners in the Indo-Pacific region like Taiwan. President Biden then called on House Republicans to urgently bring that package to a vote. In a speech Tuesday, he warned that refusal to take up the bill would be, quote, playing into Putin's hands. Biden says Ukrainian soldiers are out of artillery shells and are rationing ammunition, But now the fate of this bill rests in the House and Speaker Mike Johnson not really looking like he's going to bring that bill to a vote. One thing to mention, and this is an argument that I I heard one analyst making on Tuesday, a lot of this aid money gets pumped right back into the U.S. economy. It goes to U.S. companies who make the weapons that get sent to Ukraine. So it isn't like the U.S. is writing a check for $60 billion and and handing it over. So we shall see. This is actually a scaled back version of the bill that we were talking about for the past couple of weeks. That was a bipartisan Senate bill 
that included more money for border security here in the U.S., along with other changes to help make the U.S. border with Mexico more secure. House Republicans, though, had said that the bill was basically dead on arrival. That is after they said that they wouldn't send aid to Ukraine until there was more action around securing the U.S.-Mexico border. But once they saw that bipartisan Senate bill, they said it didn't go far enough. They said that wasn't going to pass either. So again, here is an aid package with just the foreign aid and without anything having to do with beefing up security at the border. All right, lots of news to get to. But first, we want to thank a couple of our sponsors. Our newest sponsor, Good Chop. They offer customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door on your schedule. Moshe, I was very happy to open up my freezer the other day and see some steak and chicken and salmon. I cannot wait to try them. Um, The products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness. You could choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, grass-fed ribeyes, filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon. Plus, plenty of seafood options as well. We're all about sustainable, organic, antibiotic-free in our house, so this is all perfect for us. Beyond meat, they've got wild-caught fish. We mentioned the salmon, but they also offer shrimp and scallops. A couple of really great things to note, convenience and quality. They source exclusively from American farms and fishers. They support local family farms and independent ranchers. And they're giving the Monus community a great deal. So go to goodchop.com slash Monus120 and use the code Monus120120 to get $120 off your first four boxes. That's Monus120 at goodchop.com slash Monus, M-O-N-E-W-S 120 for $120 off. All right. As we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. And of course, on this podcast, we're always talking about health trends and food trends, and it can be very difficult to get all of your nutrients. Well, one way to get all the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 Powder. I've been using it for months. It is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It is easy and quick and lets you get on with your day knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription 
Or if you prefer, you could just try it one time for just a month. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read from the Washington Post. Americans who test positive for the coronavirus no longer need to routinely stay home from work and school for five days under new guidance planned by the CDC. The agency is loosening its COVID isolation recommendations for the first time since 2021 to align it with guidance on how to avoid transmitting the flu and RSV. This is according to agency officials. The CDC acknowledges how much the COVID-19 landscape has changed since the virus first emerged four years ago. It has killed nearly 1.2 million people in the United States. The new reality, they say, is that most people have developed a level of immunity to the virus because of prior infection or vaccination. So the CDC plans to recommend that people who test positive for COVID use clinical symptoms to determine when to end isolation. Under the new approach, people would no longer need to stay home if they've been fever-free for at least 24 hours without the aid of medication and if their symptoms are mild and improving. Some are opposed to this and say public health officials still need to treat COVID differently from other respiratory viruses because it is deadlier than the flu and it does increase the risk of long-term complications or long COVID. From NBC News, thousands of drivers for ride-sharing platforms Uber, Lyft, and food delivery app DoorDash will strike across the United States on Valentine's Day seeking fair pay. The strike call is the first since Uber and Lyft went public in 2019. Drivers will picket outside of airports and Uber offices. The strikes are set to take place about a week after Lyft said that it would pay the difference if drivers made less than 70% of what riders paid after external fees each week. One driver in Texas said, by not paying drivers a livable wage, drivers are barely able to afford the bare necessities. While many drivers sign up with these firms to supplement their income from other jobs, some drive full-time as their main job. The president of a rideshare union in California says, a year into algorithmic pricing, drivers have seen incredible decrease of pay. Whatever calculations and algorithms they are using, it is absolutely useless. In 2023, Uber drivers' monthly average earnings fell by about 17%. Uh, Lyft drivers apparently increased about 2.5%. Uber says drivers' earnings remain strong, and as of the end of 2023, drivers in the U.S. were making about $33 per utilized hour, adding that most of its drivers were satisfied with what they earned. From CNBC, inflation rose more than expected in January as stubbornly high prices from housing weighed on consumers. This is according to a new report from the Labor Department. The Consumer Price Index, which measures The prices that shoppers face for goods and services across the economy increased 0.3% for the month on a yearly basis that came out to a 3.1% increase, higher than economists had expected. Housing prices or rent prices, which comprise about a third of the CPI, accounted for the biggest increase. Food prices, no surprise, also up. Notably, ham prices fell, but the price of eggs jumped uh, more than 3%. Energy helped to offset some of the increases, uh, mostly because gas prices, if you've noticed, are a bit lower. One economist tells CNBC inflation is generally moving in the right direction, but it's important to remember that a lower inflation rate does not mean that prices of most things are falling. Rather, it simply means that prices are rising more slowly. Consumers are still feeling the pinch of higher prices for the things that they buy most often. 
The big question now, what does this mean for Fed policy? Markets have been looking for aggressive interest rate cuts, but policymakers have been more cautious. I want to mention the markets took a nosedive on Tuesday after this data came out. One analyst says across the board, the numbers were hotter than expected, making certain that the Fed will need more data before deciding to cut rates. From Bloomberg, Paramount Global is letting go of hundreds of workers days after the company's coverage of the Super Bowl set a record for the most watched program in U.S. television history. I'll have a bit more on that in a minute. The company is eliminating about 800 jobs or about 3% of its workforce. Paramount Plus, the company's own online TV service, is not profitable. Attendance at movie theaters has not recovered to pre-pandemic levels, putting pressure on the company's namesake film studio as well. The owner of CBS, Nickelodeon, and other channels trying to boost profits at a time when viewers are canceling cable and satellite TV packages in favor of streaming services like Netflix. From ESPN, the longest Super Bowl game will also go down as the most watched program in TV history. According to Nielsen and Adobe Analytics, the Kansas City Chiefs overtime victory against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday averaged 123.4 million viewers across TV and streaming platforms. That shattered last year's mark of 115.1 million. The game was televised by CBS, Nickelodeon, and Univision and streamed on Paramount+. Plus. Some of the increase could be attributed to a change in the way viewers are counted. Nielsen started to include out-of-home viewers in its ratings back in 2020, but only from limited markets. And that measure expanded to all 50 states starting this year. Sunday's game was only the second of the 58 Super Bowls to go into overtime. Plus, it had the added attraction of Taylor Swift in attendance. Of course, the pop star is dating Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, a romance that has brought new fans to the NFL. With all those eyeballs, some have questioned if it was a mistake for President Biden to once again skip the traditional Super Bowl Sunday interview. It is a decision, though, that his camp is defending. Back to the popularity of the Super Bowl, CNN points out it is even more impressive because, broadly speaking, the entire industry is in decline. Millions of people cut the cord each year, trading in traditional one-size-fits-all cable packages for a la carte streaming offerings. But the NFL is different. Instead of seeing its audience dwindle and taper off, the sports media powerhouse appears immune to those forceful industry trends, which have wreaked havoc on pretty much everyone else. Notably, the NFL has managed to pull this off while its other two big counterparts in sports have not. They're talking about the NBA and the MLB, which still command sizable live audiences, but viewership has slid considerably in recent years. And then last week, the Pew Research Center reported that more than half of Americans now believe football is America's sport, more than twice as many of those who had said baseball. And finally, this from CNN as well. Tiger Woods has found a new look after splitting up with Nike, his longtime partner, last month. This week, Woods announced that he would be partnering with TaylorMade to launch a new apparel brand, Sunday Red. A landing page on the Sunday Red website teases that the line is coming on May 1st. And a news release says the brand plans to expand to include women's and children's styles as well as footwear. All right, time for On This Day in History. On this day in 1946, the first general-purpose, high-speed, electronic digital computer known as the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer was demonstrated to the public by its creators, 
J. Presper Eckert, and John Mochley. On this day in 1989, Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran issued a fatwa and offered a bounty for the assassination of author Salman Rushdie. Khomeini had said that Rushdie's novel, The Satanic Verses, was blasphemous. On this day in 1991, the psychological thriller The Silence of the Lambs was released in American theaters, widely regarded as a classic. It won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster for Best Actress, and Director, Jonathan Demme. And finally, on this day in 2005, YouTube was launched by three former employees of PayPal, It is the most popular site currently for American teens with 90% using it. And hard as I try to keep my five and a half year old off of YouTube, uh, it is a losing battle. All right, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day today or spending it with somebody that you love, even if it's just a friend or a family member. I want to thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And speaking of people that you love and my five and a half year old, she just walked into my office right now and wants to thank you for listening live and in person. Take it away, Alex. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Oh, and Alex, say happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day.